Hello and welcome to another episode of Nonprofit Vision with Gregory Nielsen. My name is Greg Nielsen. I'm the president and CEO of Nielsen Training and Consulting, where we work with nonprofit leaders and organizations, primarily in the areas of board governance, strategic planning, and performance management. Today, I am thrilled to be joined by a gentleman by the name of Drew Reynolds. Drew is the CEO of Common Good Data Consulting, which is based down in Atlanta. Drew, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. Well, Drew, we're going to get the, 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 um, the most important part out of the way right at the outset. I know Drew. Drew is, like me, a fellow Notre Dame alum. So, Drew, it is always good to have another Fighting <laughs> Irish uh, friend on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Thrilled to be here. So, after the podcast, we'll have to spend some time talking about what happened uh, in the recent playoff game. Notre Dame football and um, a really rough basketball season that we're enduring. But today we're going to be talking about nonprofit uh, leadership issues and specifically Drew's work around data. Uh, so Drew, welcome again. Hey, thanks so much. Yeah, we'll have to have to revisit. I mean, I do a lot of work down here in uh, in Clemson territory, so it's been a lot of just uh, just uh, praising. I think the, the fantastic Clemson Tigers. There's nothing else you can do after a game like that. <laughs> no, I think sometimes you have to tip your hat to a, to a talented team. Um, but Drew, if we could maybe get get us started by talking. Um, I know you're you're a Notre Dame grad like myself, but um, how did you? What has been your leadership journey? How did you How did you navigate this path towards um, starting your own company and and now working exclusively with nonprofits? Yeah, sure. So. I actually kind of laugh a little bit because I always consider myself um, as an unlikely person to start their own company. But um, I, so walk kind of back to the beginning. I started out as a high school teacher. I did the uh, ACE program at the University of Notre Dame, uh, which is kind of like Teach for America for Catholic schools. And so I taught high school Spanish for two years and absolutely loved teaching and loved working with youth and had done so in a number of different volunteer and other settings as well. And so um, I noticed as a teacher that a lot of the students that I was working with had challenges that uh, kind of went beyond their academic abilities, um, things that were happening outside the classroom that were affecting their learning inside. And I wanted to learn more about that. I wanted that to be kind of the focus of my work and career moving forward. So I went back to school um, and chose social work as a profession. I got my MSW and PhD at BC um, and then uh, kind of focused really on how to support uh, children and families um, in a variety of different contexts, but a lot of times in schools. And so I did that work for um, a while up in Boston. And then after that, uh, pursued academic work, actually. So I started as a assistant professor at UNC Charlotte and moved down to North Carolina, um, where I did teaching and research, taught courses in school social work and program evaluation. Um, so a lot of it was around helping kind of schools and youth programs and other other different agencies that interact with youth in some capacity to uh, kind of develop their own uh, skill set and to use their uh, knowledge and their data to demonstrate their impact. So it was interesting is because as an academic, I was doing it as a bit more as a researcher and as a teacher. Um, and now having moved to Atlanta recently, I started a, a consulting business just after uh, finishing up in academia. And uh, and now doing a lot of the same things I was doing as an academic, but now more working more directly with nonprofits. And part of the reason why I enjoy that work is that I'm now able to really focus on exactly what nonprofits need. Um, and so that's been kind of a, a fun part of uh, the journey for me. So um, I say I'm an unlikely person to start a business because I always kind of saw myself as a teacher or working with youth or an academic in some capacity. But um, 
but now doing it kind of in a different format. So it's been a fun journey. So take us through your time at, um, at UNC. What, um, ex- share with us maybe how that experience of um, working in the areas of program evaluation and also teaching um, shaped your philosophy and approach to, to using data. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So, um, you know, it, what's fun about being uh, at working in academia, um, especially in social work, is that you get opportunities to be doing teaching um, work, service work, and academic work. Um, in teaching, what I learned about um, at UNC Charlotte was how to talk about data in really meaningful ways for people who came to get degrees, who's, but not really, who might not have come with a passion about data. I think a lot of people come to to do social work because they want to work with people. At least that's what my students would tell me. Um, and so they would kind of look at me kind of funny when I say, all right, let's, let's talk about, um, you know, research methods or let's talk together about how you might evaluate a program in a, in a course setting. And so, but what I found was that if we can kind of center that conversation um, around what we want, um, in many cases for social workers, clients um, or community members or however you want to define the people that you're serving, uh, whatever that goals are for that particular uh, person, if we can kind of focus it on that and kind of build data around telling a story about how to help that person progress from point A from point B, from an area of crisis or distress to an area of of wholeness and wellness, um, and having that being the central narrative and conversation around use of data, that that was really helpful for students because they saw data not as something that was this external thing or this statistics book or memorizing things uh, that seem to make no sense or seem to be written in a different language. And instead, really about finding a comprehensive way to tell a story about the people that they're working with um, and to ensure that in that story that there's also opportunities for learning about how to um, improve that process so that we can help people move into that feeling of health and wellness and wholeness um, as, as well as they can. So that was kind of the piece on the teaching side, which I think was really kind of instrumental for me because a lot of the people that I work with now, you know, I would say have an interest in data and know that they want to help and work and improve the organizations, but um, maybe didn't see math as their as their um, primary area of interest. And I say that for me, that was also the case. I mean, I was a Spanish major in college and took as few math courses as possible. Um, and so I find myself kind of laughing now that a lot of the work that I do uh, is in the area of data, data and quantitative work. So. So it's interesting you mentioned that that kind of centering the work around how to how to help a client or how to help one of your stakeholders get from point A to point B because I think in my experience there are there are two groups of people there are there are those who are thoroughly energized by data and numbers um, and love digging in and then there are those um, unfortunately like myself um, who who despise math and <laughs> and who have never <laughs> yeah. um, terribly uh, successful when it comes to data and, and measurement. So how, how have you in your work kind of bridged that gap between those two groups of people and uh, kind of satisfied those who have a craving for the numbers while bringing along those who may struggle a little bit more? Well, you know, the thing about data, I think that is really important to keep in mind um, is that we kind of in our mind approaching it at first uh, have a ideal person who who does data work, um, and you know it's a tech person, it's a quant person, or whatever, um, and we kind of isolate that person and put a box around the confines of what that person is. And what I found in this work is that 
you know, when we, I, I talk a lot about building a data culture in an organization, that data and the use of information, which, which I define very broadly, as far as to say, I'm talking about like also interviewing and qualitative and all kinds of different factors, basically information that you have at your organization. How do you use that information to learn and improve? And that's really, you know, something that every person can do. It's not something that you have to have one specific set of skills or backgrounds for. Um, and I think that organizations that are the most successful are those that are able to really create that culture across an organization. And when it comes to working with data, it's not as though quantitative skills or, or, or data or math skills are the only things you need. Because um, what you also need is the ability to, um, to strategize and think about that data, to interpret that data, to collect that data, um, to talk about what's important and what isn't, to take it and integrate it into practice. And all of those things take a ton of skill sets that have nothing to do with math. Um, and so if we kind of put a box around it and say that there's only one set of skills that are needed to do this work, I think we're really limiting, limiting kind of the capacity to do it um, and, to, and to make that possible. I think that's a great point. A lot of the work that I do with boards and with nonprofit executives is around building uh, the type of culture that you seek within the organization. So if that's with board, it might, it might be a culture of teamwork or a culture of philanthropy. Um, but as you mentioned, data is the same way. It has to be imbued throughout the organization. What is the role of the executive or, or some of the senior leadership in terms of setting that culture? Well, I think, um, you know, I tell the organizations that I work with that data is something that goes um, from top down and, and, and to and the bottom of the top, I guess, or however you want to think about it on an org chart. You know, it's, it's people from the front lines all the way up to the executive director. Um, it includes board members um, to the degree that that makes sense in your, uh, in the culture of your nonprofit. And so in, in all of those things, it's about bringing people together. Um, I think what happens a lot is that we kind of think of organizations as, as sort of bifurcated between decision makers and implementers. And what we have to do in creating a data culture is helping everybody see themselves as a decision maker. And that's not to say that you have to get, you know, organization-wide consensus on every decision. We know that, that practically that's gonna be impossible. But if we can help people within an organization who might not see themselves as decision makers, to see that they can take data and information and use that to make a decision that directly affects their own work, that is such an empowering thing. And it really kind of flips, I think, like, a light on in people's heads and say like, look, I can have some ownership over this work. I can, I can see something, find something out and find a way to make it better. And if I can do that in sort of a, in a way that uh, sort of a, using a method behind it that we all agree on in an organization that people don't just think it's my opinion or that I'm frustrated or whatever, but, or that whatever it could be, I don't know what it is, you know, um, that they, that we can then take that information presented to an organization and make a case for a change. And so I think a lot of times, you know, like when I'm doing work with different organizations, some of my, the best insights that I get are from people who are right on doing the work and who wouldn't consider themselves data people or decision makers or anything like that. Um, and so my hope is that everybody in an organization has, you know, a role to play in that decision-making process and in turn has a little bit more ownership over their work. I think one of the things I like the most about your work is, is that focus on creating a culture and that everyone within the organization has a role to play when it comes to decision making and, and using data. You know, in, in the conversations that I have with 
nonprofit leaders, a lot of times data comes up as something that we have to do because of our funders or our grants or something like that. And I think what you're talking about is, is different. It's, it's, yes, that may be a piece of it, but it's also about fulfilling the, the essential nature of the mission and making good decisions to be, to be good stewards of the resources that you do have. Yeah, I hear that a lot too. You know, I think sometimes the first conversation I have with somebody is going to be like, well, we know we need to do this because, you know, X funder or, or X, you know, stakeholder really wants us to do it. And so sometimes the pressure to make that investment in that time comes from the outside. And my goal throughout the work that I do with nonprofits is to help reframe that uh, sort of external imposition as an internal opportunity. Because data work, at the end of the day, takes so much time and is such an investment that if you're just doing it for somebody else, like it's going to be painful and it's going to be annoying and it's going to be the thing you want to do last at the end of the day. And ultimately, it's probably not going to be done very well because you're not thinking about it or invested in it. And then it loses its power to be able to do something really transformative in your organization, which is to create a culture, not only of data, but a culture of learning a culture of saying, how can we find out about the work that we're doing? How can we improve it? What are we doing well? What are we not doing well? Or better, also sometimes said, like, how can we better understand the people that we're serving? Because um, sometimes, you know, we're, we're always working in this kind of imperfect space where we just don't have all the information, all of the resources and all the skills to be able to address the social problem that we're interested in. And, you know, creating this culture of learning uh, recognizes that we're in that imperfect realm and that, um, but that we can also continue to make progress um, if, we, if we continue to work in that way. So that's what I hope to do. I, you know, my, my goal is always to try to help uh, reframe that conversation in that way. And I think that um, when you can create that culture of learning, you see the really practical applications of data in a nonprofit organization. So, so for example, I've facilitated several board retreats over the past couple of weeks and even in strategic planning sessions, um, just to be able to put uh, more of a kind of meat on the bones of how are we doing as an organization relative to our strategic plan, or if there is a board self-assessment, having data around how the board itself is performing and governing, really helps an organization set priorities as well. So you, so you can focus the limited attention and resources that you have on the right things. Have you seen boards be able to implement data practices or data positive practices um, that have really driven their strategy? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's something you'll see kind of across the sector. And you know, they're great examples of this, whether you're reading it in a cool nonprofit text or seeing it happen in the work that you're doing. Um, I think one of the challenges that board members have often is that they're put in the position of making really high level decisions for an organization around priorities and vision and goals. Um, and sometimes are, are asked to do that with a lot of incomplete information. Um, you know, it's really hard, I think, to do it, especially you know, if you've just joined a board or maybe you're, you're joined an organization that you're passionate about, um, but maybe whose sort of direct services or programs um, is not an area of expertise for you. And so in that sense, you're kind of put into this position to make decisions about something that, um, you know, might seem kind of unfamiliar or otherwise new. And so having data in front of you to help you make a sense as a board member of what is important, uh, where are there struggling areas, 
what are areas of growth and success, areas worthy of investment, you know, I think is, is really critical. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, I think um, the more that organizations can provide that insight and guidance to their, to their, that's another way too, you know, it's kind of like a back and forth where an organization is able to provide information to a board so that board can then in turn make decisions that are, are really in the best interest and, and, um, and really thoughtful about that organization. And I think sometimes when there might be, um, if there might be sort of a divide or division between kind of the organization and the board, sometimes data is, is a common ground where people can come together um, with a shared sense of, of purpose and of, of the work. I've also found that it can be an effective way to model effective management versus governance, right? So sometimes, you know, keeping those lines uh, distinct is really important for nonprofit CEOs and board members. Um, and having nonprofit data, uh, nonprofit leaders be able to provide concrete specific data for board members to then fulfill their strategic decision-making function uh, can also be really impactful. Yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, helping, and, and that's the thing about decision-making is so often in decisions, you know, we kind of in our cultural like, culture kind of like, you know, really uh, put on a pedestal people who can make decisions based on gut and instinct. And I'm not saying there's not a place for that in decision-making, certainly there is. Um, but in doing so, sometimes we um, overstep and, and make decisions um, that are sometimes maybe hasty because we don't have complete information in front of us. And so I think that, you know, what a data-driven culture ultimately hopes to do is see the data um, as one piece of a broader decision-making puzzle that is collaborative, that involves many different stakeholders having an input in a conversation, um, and where an organization as a whole uh, is making decisions as an organization as a whole. So, so absolutely, yeah. We've talked a little bit about, about, you know, maybe an organization that is either resistant to data or doesn't have that culture. Um, I've also come across many organizations that have an overabundance of data. You know, they have numbers and measurements for everything, but it's just not harnessed in a specific direction. Have you come across those organizations? And if so, what do you recommend for them? Yeah, I mean, this is where, you know, having something like a theory of change, I think is really, really helpful. And so, you know, in information, you can gather all kinds of information about the people that you're working with and the programs or the services you offer, um, or whatever that looks like in your nonprofit. And there's a tendency to sort of, when you're putting together like a survey, for example, or an intake form, or, you know, however it is that you collect information or sending out a web survey, there's a tendency to say like, oh, I would really like to know these types of different things. And then, oh, that would actually be really interesting to know too. And oh, what about that? Um, and all of a sudden you have these <laughs> data collection instruments that are just so long um, and we're placing all kinds of burden on people who, um, you know, are coming, you know, to receive a service, not to fill out a form. And what happens then too, is that you have so much data, you know, as, as some in the field have called it drowning in data, that we really kind of miss our opportunities to use that in effective ways. And so having something like a theory of change or which kind of loosely defined as a set of sentences or a visual diagram that helps an organization describe how it brings about a change process in its cause area, how it helps their clients get from point A to point B, for example. Um, having one of these really helps get clarity around what your goals are, what your outcomes are, and how you intend to measure that progress. And then in turn, how you design programs and services to reach that, that end. And what I find when people put together a logic model is that they really, 
can boil down most of their work to a handful of outcomes. Um, and so having really solid practices in your organization to uh, collect, uh, analyze, interpret, and share information on those handful of outcomes is really all you need um, to, to make it happen. And so being, um, I think, concise and um, focused in your, in your approach with data is certainly very important. When you, when you work with nonprofit organizations, there are an abundance of, whether it's software tools or programs out there to help gather data and analyze data. How do you help an organization navigate that challenge of figuring out what might be right for them? Do they need a, uh, you know, a robust software package? Is there, um, you know, is it something that Excel or another tool can help them identify? How do you, how do you navigate that tools portion of collecting data? Yeah, uh, that's a great question. And, you know, I learned how to do this back. So when I, back when I was in my, um, in my doctoral program, I worked also as an instructional designer. So I helped faculty put courses that were originally face-to-face uh, -face and, and, and put them online and a number of other things, a lot of it involving technology. And part of my, my role within this, in this work was to also identify the best educational technologies to, you know, launch an online course or something like that. And what I learned in that process, first off, it, it was a great preparation for consulting work because you're always like asking questions <laughs> to figure out what people are looking for. So I, I was I loved it for that. And I find that I'm drawing on that a lot now in this work. Um, but secondly, is that when when identifying a new tool that you want to use, a, a really helpful process kind of in the technology world that is used is something called designing user use cases. And so you kind of take some time to put yourself in the perspective of the user and to identify from the perspective of that user really what is needed first before diving into and looking at all the different tech you know, opportunities out there and <laughs> looking at all the sales demos and the videos to say, okay, first, what do we really need? And then you can put together something like, sometimes you can put together some kind of decision-making matrix or you know, there's, there's a number of different ways to do this. Um, so I line up some different tools and see how well those tools match those use cases that you have defined. Um, what's key in those use cases is that you include not just the people you're serving, but also your staff um, and all the different levels in your staff. So you really get a sense that each person who's interacting with this tool is getting what they need out of it. Because sometimes, you know, you can get this really robust tool that has awesome back-end analytics and reporting, but really is terrible and a pain to use for front-end yeah. staff. Um, and, and we see you, know, you that don't want that. Because, <laughs> we see that yeah. a lot in the nonprofit sector, even in like um, donor software and donor databases and things like that, that have tons of bells and whistles. But as, as I tell organizations, those are really only as good as your staff has the resources, time and talent to, to use those bells and whistles. Yeah, absolutely. And, and so having that focus is so critical, like having that theory of change already in place, having those use cases in place, and then coming in and choosing that tech to fit those needs is critical. Um, you know, there is no such thing as the technology silver bullet. Like no tech tool is going to solve whatever problem that you have 100%. Um, what you can do is get a solid match between your needs and what is available. And having that match be as close as possible at the lowest price point I think is really what, what nonprofits should focus on. That's great. Um, that actually provides a great segue to um, another issue that I see come up often with data is I hear a lot from nonprofit leaders. I, I would love to use data more often in decision making, have it um, a 
be a part of our culture, but I'm a small nonprofit. I, we lack the budget. We lack the, the ability to hire um, for a data management team. So how do you, how do you counsel um, smaller nonprofit organizations or organizations that may lack the paid staff um, that they can still use data to make solid decisions? Yeah, I mean, it, this is a tough one um, because any sort of, especially like kind of startup nonprofits where you're constantly making decisions about where to invest your time and money uh, to put something together. Um, what I will say is that, you know, at the end of the day, what makes a nonprofit successful is something that is, that is generating some kind of social outcome or social good. And that social good, most of the time, is really intangible. Like the biggest difference, people like people say, "Oh, the difference in a for-profit is yes, like in the IRS tax classification, and that's their difference." But really, what their difference is is in their purpose. One has kind of a for-profit bottom line, and can usually, not always, but can usually measure success uh, through a sale or a transaction, um, and that's an easier thing to measure because you kind of we have tracking systems to allow that to happen. You know, in the for or sorry, in the nonprofit sector, what we have is an outcome that is social in nature and intangible, um, and it's kind of and it's and it's and it's approach, right? So it's really hard to sometimes measure that thing. But the only way that a nonprofit is going to grow and to maintain success is if a nonprofit to stakeholders, to funders, to anybody else, that they're really making a difference in their cause area. And so, no matter how big or how small your organization is. You have to do something to have this because every person is going to ask you, you know, what are you doing? Tell me about your work. How many people do you serve? Um, what happens when you serve those people? What are they able to do differently that they weren't able to do before you interacted with them? Um, and that's just kind of the nature of the work. And so we have to have some kind of solution for it. Now, that being said, you don't have to go out and buy a ton of tech. And I think a lot of the training work new um, to, to take on this, this work in this role. If you have a Google account and you can buy shoes on Amazon, you know, you can probably have enough technical skills to set up a web form in a database or like, you know, like a, a Google sheet with like a Google, uh, sorry, a Google form that matches up to some Google sheets and you can track, if nothing else that you might want to ask them. And that might be a good starting place for your nonprofit and can last you until you decide to, uh, until you grow and scale and are able to make greater investments further down the line. Well, Drew, I want to thank you for your time. Tell us a little bit about your Data is one of those things that you can only do. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, Drew, it, our connection is a little bit shaky right now. <laughs> That's all right. Sure. Um, Tell us a little I'm bit about sure your company I, before yeah. we wrap up. <laughs> Common Good Data um, is, just provides uh, consultation services to nonprofits who, to help them use data to, to do the decision-making work. And so, um, you know, I work with nonprofits of all different sizes, um, mostly in the areas of human services, education, social work, and health. Kind of also, I do online courses. So I've developed an online course, to, especially for those kind of just getting started nonprofits who um, maybe have a more limited budget doing an online course to help them get the basic kind of building blocks in place to start their, to start their data journey. So that's what I do. 
That's wonderful. Drew, I want to thank you for taking the time to join us. Um, this has been Nonprofit Vision with Gregory Nielsen, and I want to thank Drew Reynolds, Common Good Data. And Drew, give us a contact information if anyone wants to learn more about your company and the services you provide. Sure, you can find out everything on my website, uh, www. Drew, thank you very much, and this has been another episode of Nonprofit Vision with Gregory Nielsen. Thank you.